Can You Make It Pretty is proud to work with Gradcom, the podcast's 2023-24 sponsor. Welcome NCFPR members to a recording of the Can You Make It Pretty podcast, live from the District 4 conference in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Matt Ratcliffe, and I'm joined by Chris and Jenny Shell to give some pointers on three particularly hot topics for NCMPR members. Number one, how to, make thing, how to make meetings less awful. Number two, how to deal with it when everyone at your college is a marketer. And number three, how to handle creative burnout. Chris and Jenny are the co-founders of Design Rangers, a Colorado Springs design firm. Chris has over 25 years experience in marketing, creative direction, and results-driven print and web design. He's an Enneagram 6, which means he's the world's greatest question asker and researcher. Ooh, we're going to dive into that. And Jenny's authenticity has brought thousands of people to tears as keynote speaker for multiple Colorado Springs nonprofits, the Pikes Peak State College's commencement ceremony, and on Colorado Springs TEDx stage, where more than 20,000 people have watched her speak about growing up in a Colorado ghost town. So I think the first thing that we should start with is kind of how we know each other, um, I first met the Design Rangers as a student at Pikes Peak State College. Uh, I was in the multimedia graphic design program, and the Design Rangers would come and uh, talk to classes. Uh, They would support student activities, uh, some of the professional development organizations. Also, uh, in my current role as uh, Executive Director of Marketing and Communication at Pikes Peak State College, uh, (laughs) yeah, that's right, we got that. We uh, worked together on some uh, rebranding of our website, and in the past, we've worked on other projects together. Uh, but how, how do y'all know me? Y'all? Y'all. Yeah, how y'all know me? Yeah, well, NCMPR inclu- <laughs> District 4 includes Texas, so uh, some of my Texasism has to come out. That's right. That's what we like to hear. Well, I think it's important to note that we are uh, community college graduates from Pikes Peak as well, so um, you know everything kind of comes full circle. We always say at the small world, but even a smaller town. So we probably know you through several circles, not just in um, capacity at the college, but through work with nonprofits and other things here in town. A lot of our work is in the nonprofit space. So yeah, we, we sat on the advisory board actually for the graphic design. Um, Back when it was just called graphic design and there was no multimedia. Yeah. There was no multimedia, just a pencil. Important to say we did go back to school <laughs> in the 1900s as our Gen Z would call it. Ooh. So that's important to note uh, before the web. Yeah. Um, so through your 16 plus years of experience working with clients, you've gotten some of the best practices down that I think would be uh, would really resonate with the NCMPR members. Uh, so first off, I want to talk to you about how design rangers handle meetings. I suspect most people in this room have at some point felt that they were in a pointless meeting. Sound? Anybody? Yeah? So podcasts are an audio medium, so if y'all could make some noise, that would be helpful. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I am looking at a crowd that is telling me yes. All right. Uh, I suspect most people, yeah, I already said that. Meanwhile, I hear that clients, plural clients, have told you, this is the best meeting I've ever had. How do you do that? Go ahead. Well, I think it's important to note that there are the meetings that you are, are really truly meetings you can't get out of, right? They're just an agenda. We have to check in on some things. But I think it's important to note that a meeting doesn't just have to be a meeting. Uh, as a matter of fact, with our client working sessions, they're not called meetings at all. They are camps. 
and very much on brand for what we do at the Design Rangers. Camps include things like s'mores oftentimes, and people get badges and pins and red socks when they complete things. Uh, meetings can be called camp counseling or web camp or other types of things. So I, th I think it's important that, to note that meetings can be actual working strategic sessions. They don't just have to be meetings. It's important to differentiate between when something is a meeting and, and something I is a working session. And I think when you remove that word meeting, then people have a different expectation of maybe what they're going into and you add a word like camp or whatever is appropriate for, um, for your, you know, college. I think, yeah, it just helps people to come in and be like, Ooh, what is a camp? It's sometimes it's just a meeting, but we try to make it more fun. Yeah. And never refer to it as a meeting, just the camps. And you mentioned s'mores. What, what role do s'mores play <laughs> As a part of an effective meeting. I am the s'mores coordinator, and so I do bring s'mores to meetings. Um, they come in many different forms. We can cook them over a fire that does get messy. Um, so we do, like, little pre-made s'mores. There's, like, s'mores cookies. We just, we love food, and people are less food angry motivated. when they're not hungry. Yeah, so it kind of staves off hangriness, maybe, stabs yes. that towards the back a little bit? Well, we're back to what sometimes in a meeting people forget the basics, right? I mean, if there's some food and some fun and some conversation and some dialogue, all of a sudden it's not one person talking and everybody else checking their phone and email and falling asleep and doing whatever might happen. Um, so, you know, the s'mores are just part of an indication for us in terms of the culture of the meeting that we're trying to have, which is, oh, We've never had s'mores in a meeting before, so right away we're setting the tone for because it's what not it's a meeting; be. it's a camp. It's a camp. Right, we're at <laughs> camp. We're having s'mores. We're having fun, and then s'mores themselves—you know—it's not like just a a, a little uh, bowl of peanuts that you're setting out. You know, there's there's a that uh, psychological component of you know we're taking people back to childhood. We're we're reminding them of of fun that they've had in the past. That's a hundred percent correct. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of why we do it. Yeah, and you know, I, I, sometimes in marketing terms, we call that you know gamification and and all of that. So, yeah. what other aspects of gamification do you add to the meetings uh, to help them make them more effective? Well, we do actually have uh, lapel pins that when people complete certain camps, it's almost like uh, you know, no sashes are given out, but <laughs> there are pins that are collected, and again, you get each one through camp counseling and web camp and uh, personality, personality camp, camp persona and different camp, persona they all camp. have an individual pin. Yeah, so they do get pins along the way, and again, red socks when you complete your first kind of major project and things like this, kind of pull up, if you ever look at our website, we have on our ranger outfits and our web socks, red socks, uh, but <laughs> So gamification to some degree, and it, you'd be surprised how much that stuff works. It's, it's just a little bit of a like, oh, this is, I, I get something for completing this. We get to have some fun with what we're doing. Um, so I think that's a, a piece of it is just making people realize that this is marketing. A meeting is just marketing and to some degree. Now, obviously, if we're talking about a meeting that the executives are putting on or someone else, you can't always bring that in. But if you can, it's a great way to change the dynamic of what the meeting is um, or at least to let them know that marketing holds a different kind of meeting than other departments might hold. Yeah, absolutely. And Jenny, I see that you have some, some more to say about that. S'more to say! <laughs> Way to get that one in there, Matt. I, w I wish I could claim I did that on purpose. <laughs> uh, 
I just wanted to say that we do recognize that you all maybe don't have the the leeway that we do, but um, you know, you're creative people, and we do creative problem solving as our our business, right? So just I think you could think internally about what could you give to people, or how could you make what you're doing maybe a little more fun, so people are excited to to come and meet with you. Yeah, and when you meet with people, I mean, sometimes you can choose the location. Sometimes the location chooses you. What what role does that play in driving an effective meeting? Well, I think for our clients, we find that getting them out of their environment is a huge component of what works, right? So, again, if we have the meeting in their space, all of a sudden, all of the things that distract everybody, people coming into the room, emails, dinging, everything else is a big component of it. So if we can have a meeting where they are off-site, either in our location or potentially outside or something different, I think it can change the dynamic as well. And, and so that's another component in terms of sometimes we tell people, hey, are you, do you need to get out of your office for a while? Do you need to get away from your department for a while? Do you want to come over here? And we get lots of head nods, right? And, and sometimes even, do you want to stay a while? Do you want to say the meeting's two hours when it's one? Because maybe you need to get some work done afterwards. And again, you'd be surprised by acknowledging people in terms of what their pain points are, right? We're marketers, that's what we do. Um, it, it, you can change the dynamic of, wow, okay, you see me, not just you want me to show up to this meeting and I don't even know if I'm contributing. Are there, are there other ways, uh, say you have a location that you can't get out of. The location has chosen you, this is it. Are there other ways you can you know, manipulate the location or things you can do to it to make the meeting more effective? I mean, I think, again, part of it, just back to the s'mores, yeah, again, is bringing something in that makes the meeting feel different immediately, right? If someone walks in and you're making s'mores, it maybe feels like a different environment. Uh, I, I think sometimes, too, we let people know what, what the engagement of the meeting is going to be. Okay, this is going to be a discussion. It's not here to follow necessarily a bullet-pointed agenda. We expect and like participation, but also if you need to get up and, and use the restroom or do something, that's fine. So we try to set the stage a little bit, I think, for what things are going to be. I think we also um, like to use the term workshop, which I, I think is a way to have people expect that we want their input, right? We want their participation. And that helps the, the client then to kind of buy in to what you're pitching because they feel like they played a role in, in what you've, you know, what the outcome is. Um, so just also another way to change the word meeting to workshop or something like that. And so if you're doing that in their place, at least they feel like you want them to contribute. You're looking for their ideas. Um, you know, will those ideas from them always go into the concept? No, but they do feel like they had a little um, piece of it. Yeah, and I, I think building that ownership into the meeting with the, the folks you're meeting with, you know, letting setting the stage, like you said, adding those gamified items, s'mores, branded items, all that. It sounds like, so the design rangers have s'mores, Red Sox-like park rangers, uh, badges, so merit badges and things like that, that, that branding kind of plays a big part of the, the theme that you pull into those meetings. Um, would you say that's true? And if so, uh, how do you think? <laughs> how do you think uh, community college marketers? You know, we have our own brand, sort of, in our department. How can we develop a brand similar to that? Yeah, I, th I think. I mean, marketers ruin every word, so the word authenticity doesn't necessarily mean what it used to. But I think deciding what's authentic to you are 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 you a little bit more playful? Are you a little bit more, um, you know, 
the way that you might mix things up. What is your identity and how can you sell that internally? We talk to people a lot about this, that people sometimes think of students or stakeholders or other people, but forget that internally you have an entire market too, that internal communications in terms of what's happening, do people get to experience your brand when they come in to a meeting or when you are reviewing things with them? And the answer is usually no, they don't because it's all focused outward, which is why sometimes other departments and things don't really get the brand because they've never even been. I mean, we, we did this recently for a major nonprofit where the executive director didn't even know really what the brand is. We had to give him an education on what, why do we have an identity? What is this brand? What does it mean? And the marketing department kind of forgot that, oh, internally people need to feel that ownership of the brand as well. Right. A very important aspect of the, the brand concept is not just the badges and the s'mores and stuff. It's what that makes people feel and how those feelings come into the meeting and make that meeting much more effective. Well, let's uh, move on. That's, that's number one. Uh, we said meetings, more effective meetings. I think uh, that gamification, all the stuff you're talking about. Do you mind if I throw one more thing in about oh, meetings before we yes. move on? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm I live for this, Chris. Uh, there, 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 well, there's a couple other things I think that we found with our clients, too. Just sometimes permission. So, again, those meetings that maybe aren't as strategic or aren't as workshop, just asking if you can opt out or just saying, hey, we're having the strategic meeting, and so I can't necessarily be in these meetings at all at once. People are like, oh, that will never happen. But sometimes if we just ask our clients or tell them, can you just say this is what we're doing and can we opt out of this meeting because this is what we need to focus on for these goals, surprise, you don't necessarily have to attend as many meetings. Um, or being able to let people know, again, what's their pain point. If we're able to opt out of this meeting, we can do this work and meet this deadline faster. So sometimes it's just it's right thinking not just like, I can't be here. It's, well, what does the other person need? How can they do that, and how can we be a part of this? Yeah. Does that sound useful to you all out there? How about by round of applause? How, how does it? Yeah, that's great. When I think of community college marketing, I think of Gradcom. As a full-service marketing agency specializing in community colleges, they have the experience and expertise colleges need to move the needle on awareness, applications, and enrollment. Whether it's research, design, web, or media, Gradcom does it all. But don't just take my word for it. Visit gradcom.com. That's G-R-A-D-C-O-M-M dot C-O-M. For case studies about the many NCMPR members who have used Gradcom to help them grow the number of students who enroll and succeed in college. So moving on to our next thing, it could be especially frustrating to work in a community college marketing office with our years of experience, all our NCMPR medallion awards, our experience and our education, uh, and then we have other people from departments feel like they can do our job, right? Uh, so how can our members better work with others at the college so that uh, they can start to trust our expertise a little more? Yeah, and we run into this right, not just at colleges, but anywhere that has an internal marketing team, which is everybody is a marketer, or at least they think they are. And, and to some degree, I'll be honest, though, they are, right? I mean, we are in a modern age where most people are creating some sort of content. People are inundated with marketing messages every day, and they're fairly savvy. So they may have something to contribute. I think part of it is where are they invited in, where is it potentially that maybe that isn't relevant. But I think that's that first, that admission that, well, you know what, these are people that do 
probably have some say in the conversation do see marketing messages every day and not just writing off that, well, they should understand that we're marketers. We know what we're doing. Right. So coming down a little and meeting people where they are can probably help a little bit. I think that's, again, where we're asking for our clients' input. We want their participation and then them, in turn, feeling like they've had some kind of say in what we are then producing. Um, and just having, like, really good dialogue with clients, um, I think it's helpful because our meetings are really fun. Our camps are super fun. Um, but, it, you know, things get a bit lighter. I can attest that they are, that the, the <laughs> ranger camps are fun. So I think then people, you know, it, it doesn't feel so serious. They feel like they're, you know, they've contributed, but they feel it's been a good dialogue. Um, they feel heard by us. And so ideally then they, you know, we, we have seen their, um, their concerns. We also do a, um, a top I don't know. Three. What do we do? Oh, rally points. <laughs> so we call them rally <laughs> points. So, so, you know, tactically part of what we do with, with what we're doing is, we try to, with any project, talk about, right, not just calling them goals, again, because goals don't mean anything necessarily, but what are the rally points? What are the things that we can rally around? So we'll usually identify, here's three key things for this project or for this part of what we're doing that we all agree that we're rallying around. And gotcha. anything outside of that maybe doesn't fit into the conversation. So we can remind other people that are coming in as stakeholders to say, oh, here's what we've all agreed upon. So this request that you're coming in from another department tell me how it fits into one of these three things that we're doing. And if they can't, it's a little bit easier to go like, that's great. I understand that's important, but we can't really focus on that right now. Yeah. So that, that helps keep the meeting focused and uh, preventing people from going off on odd tangents and, and all that kind of stuff. What role does the language we use to solicit feedback play into um, getting people on board with what we're trying to do together? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the language, especially when you're asking for feedback, is, is critical. How you're asking for feedback or how you're asking for somebody to do this. The worst question you can ever ask is, what do you think? Absolute worst question you can ever ask. Because what you're going to get is, A, somebody is like, well, I have to say something. But also that feedback is going to be all over the board. Because you haven't given them any direction on what kind of feedback you're looking for. So you're going to get things like, well, I hate red because I was attacked by a clown when I was five. And so red is the worst color ever, and I can't stand it. We can't use red in anything we're doing. We even actually got, my wife doesn't like blue. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is, is your wife trying to enroll at an anthropology class at a community college? I mean, that's, that's what's. <laughs> and that's where the conversation tends to devolve into is like, well, is your wife the target audience? And, it, and now you're off track, right? So a better question might be, how do you think? What we're doing here helps to achieve one of these rally points. How do you think this might help your department to do this? Do you think that the way that we've changed this navigation will help a student find this better? It's forcing them to answer in a way that, that answers that question. No? Okay, well, why not? What do you think might work better? Or, yes, here's what it's doing. But open-ended feedback is typically terrible because then you're going to get, oh, now I have the chance to be a marketer and insert what I want to be able to do in this situation. Right, and a, a lot of that feedback is like not only irrelevant, it pulls you into weird places that you weren't expecting to go. Um, and that more specific language can prevent us from happening that. So let's uh, shift a little bit, um, because we want to talk about burnout. We want to spend a little bit of time with that. 
Um, we've all experienced it. Who's experienced a touch of burnout in this room? Yeah. R- round of applause. Remember, podcast is an audio. <laughs> uh, for those listening at home, everyone raised their hands. Uh, every single person in the room raised their hands. Uh, we've all experienced it, and it can feel impossible to get out of that rut. Uh, when so much of marketing can be cyclical and repetitive, how can we stay creatively energized? Yeah, I, I, I think a huge component, because we, you know, we've been doing this a long time, and we faced yeah, burnout several times in terms of how do we keep doing this? How do we bring ourselves into the conversation? And I think a big thing for us a couple of years ago was working actually with a values coach to understand what are our kind of inherent values. Um, and, you know, there, there's a book that Jenny might talk about that we recommend that, that, that can be helpful for that. But part of it is just learning how are you bringing your real gifts and tools to the table in terms of what you're doing every day, right? It can just get in terms of just how am I checking off the to-dos constantly? How do I get into that cycle? And I think part of it is recognizing, well, where can you bring your authentic self and the things that you're good at to the work you're doing? And how can you bring that forward, I think, is a big component of it. I don't know if you want to talk about values at all. Yeah, so we worked, we really were struggling about um, probably just exactly two years ago. Uh, Chris and I were both navigating some pretty serious health issues. Our last kid just went off to college. Um, We had a team of four, and we just weren't feeling it anymore. So we were lucky enough to be able to take a month off of work. Um, And prior to that, we had been working with a values coach um, for about nine months. Um, I'm sure there's some kind of online values finder type thing. There are. Okay. So we did that. We were pretty solid in what our values were. My top value is caring and connection. Um, and I began to identify when I am caring for people, caring for our clients, when I am connecting people, um, connecting our, say, a nonprofit client to somebody I know who needs services, that type of thing, I don't feel like I'm working. Like, this is, I'm living my best life when I'm really living in this value. Um, so we have really tried to focus the work that we do in terms of, you know, Chris loves connecting dots. He's like in heaven when he can connect dots between things. He's, he's great at um, simplifying information. That's what he loves to do. That is not my value. I don't think I'm good at that. When I have to do that type of work, I feel like a failure. Um, but when I can really, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the face of Design Rangers. If I'm out connecting with the community, I don't feel like I'm working. I, you know, it's, it's really a great place to be. So I would say if you can try to identify your values and then find a way, because I understand that you all have projects that you just have to do, right? Um, But if you can find a way to maybe think of how that specific project might connect with your values, I'm hoping that you'll be able to find a little bit more passion for the, you know, what you're doing on that project. Um, The book Chris mentioned is by Martha Beck. It's called um, The Way of Integrity. Uh, really great. I, um, I have probably every page highlighted, which then means nothing is highlighted, so that isn't very helpful. Um, also, you just got to get a, another highlighter, like I mean, a, a pink yeah, like highlighter a, right, over the yellow. Totally, yeah. yes. Um, we also had another book we read on sabbatical called Flux. It's F-L-U-X. Um, crazy enough, a girl that Chris went to... A, 
woman that Chris went to high school with um, is one of the world's leading female futurists. And she's written this book about the um, eight superpowers that will help you navigate change, something like that. Flux is incredible, and it really um, was life-changing for us. Those two books, I think, from maybe me, I don't want to speak for you, but really helped me understand how I can um, feel passionate about going to work again and um, just, yeah, understanding my values and then bringing those to work. And it makes me feel really happy to be there. And what you're talking about, this alignment of values with your work, it kind of leans into some of the stuff we learn at the NCMPR Leadership Institute. Uh, we use Clifton Strengths Finder, uh-huh. and kind of the background of Clifton Strengths Finder is you discover your strengths, and then you lean into your strengths, and kind of uh, you don't ignore your weaknesses, but you help like lean into other people to to help find that. And I know that in my life, when I've been feeling burnout. It's very much related to that misalignment that you're talking about, that I'm cranking out work that I don't care about. I'm doing tasks I feel like I'm not good at. Uh, so I think I, that hits me right in all the, the good spots about aligning uh, values with work, with strengths, and you know, finding that happiness there. And I think that alignment really works across all three, three things that we're talking about. So, you know... For me, shared connection is one of my biggest values. So that if I can go into a meeting where we have a personality camp and what we're doing is we're handing out, you know, different cards based on different personality traits and people are getting to read them and they see themselves in those traits and all of a sudden we're having conversations, then I'm building shared connection with them, right? But also that's me getting to use what I feel is important to me. I'm getting them to help understand maybe the brand a little bit better and what that connection looks like. Um, and then maybe I could see a little bit of their values as well. So if I understand their values, now we're talking about everybody as a marketer, some of the people in another department, and what's important to them, I understand their pain points, how to help them, and it all kind of starts to work together, hopefully, um, when it's working right. Yeah, I, and that's the most we could ask for, right? And I actually could not think of a better way to tie this into a better bow than you just did, Chris. So. Uh, I really want to thank you, Chris and Jenny, the Design Rangers, for joining us on Can You Make It Pretty, the MCMPR podcast. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners, for the people in the room, uh, anything like that that you'd like to share? I guess if you haven't already, I would really encourage you to read um, Flux. I think it's a very interesting concepts in there, especially for the world changing as quickly as it is with AI coming and really changing our profession, right? I think... Um, Flux just helps you to accept change or at least see ways that you can accept change. Um, so that's, it's coming, right? Change is coming no matter if we want it to come or not. And so Flux will help you understand just your superpowers within change. Yeah, I think part of the overwhelm and the burnout is that kind of everything is being put on our plate all at once and more and more and more all the time. Um, and kind of a staggering statistic uh, that I heard on a podcast recently is that in, the, in this century, we will experience the equivalent of 10,000 years of change. That things are moving so quickly that compared to human history, we'll experience 10,000 years of change in this 100 years. And that probably makes everyone's shoulders just went up a little bit when I said that. <laughs> but what Jenny's talking about with Flux is this ability to kind of lean into to the ability to say that, okay, how can we work with change and embrace what that is instead of just being terrified of, I just learned this and now this is coming on board. Well, thank you so much. That gives us a lot to think about and consider. And, uh, you know, to build that resilience in ourselves, which, you know, maybe that's the, 
the topic of the next podcast we do together. Thank you so much, Design Rangers. How about a round of applause for them? Can You Make It Pretty is sponsored by Gradcom and presented by the National Council for Marketing and Public Relations, the country's premier group for PR, communications, and marketing pros at two-year community colleges. For membership information, visit ncmpr.org. Can You Make It Pretty is produced by Jacqueline Johanna Garver, that's me, the communication specialist for NCMPR, and mixed by Bill Aldridge at Third City Sound in Joliet, Illinois. If you like what you heard, we'd love it if you subscribed, downloaded, rated, and reviewed Can You Make It Pretty wherever you get your podcasts. And if you didn't, well, you can skip that part. <laughs>